Welcome to the Pokes Podcast. I'm Jacob Longin, Coordinator of Communications and Marketing for the OSU College of Arts and Sciences. As a new academic year begins, we thought this was a good time to provide information about succeeding in online classes, as well as tips and tricks for Canvas, which has replaced Brightspace as OSU's learning management system. I'm joined this episode by Dr. Caitlin Barnes, CAS's Instructional Designer for Online Courses. Our conversation includes a lot of helpful information for students in online, face-to-face, and blended courses. You're an instructional designer. What does that mean? Well, that's a really good question because it means lots of different things in different settings. But in higher education, an instructional designer works with faculty to help them structure their courses. So I'm not necessarily telling them the content they need to teach. That's something that each department does on their own. They have committees and they talk about what needs to be taught in the class. But I help them present it to the students. I help them organize it in meaningful ways so that they can meet certain objectives for the class. You know, the goals that that they want their students to get, the skills they want their students to have at the end of a class. I help them get from point A to point B. And in an online setting, I mean, A lot of instructors have never experienced an online class. They've never taken one, they've never taught one, they don't even know where to start. And so me helping them kind of guide the transition from a face-to-face class to an online class, they're having a difficult time doing it by themselves. So I come in and kind of give them some guidelines and some suggestions to help them make that class successful. You wanted to share some uh, thoughts on online courses for our students. I know that that's uh, an interesting topic. We have students who've taken online courses, we have students who are considering online courses, and I know that there's a lot of misconceptions or even just thoughts about, should I take an online course? What are the advantages? What are the disadvantages? I've been having a lot of conversations with faculty and talking about um, what students need to prepare for a course, Um, and there are some things that kind of came up that are relevant to all online courses and not just specific courses. So things that faculty really think that students would benefit from, and I I very much agree. So there are several things that I feel like if we could get the message out about maybe some misconceptions of what people expect when they take an online class, if we can clear up some of those things, then there won't be so much like, you know, disappointment or frustration when you actually get into an online class. And I know, uh Obviously, this conversation is going to be about online courses, but I think a lot of what we're going to talk about also applies to just being a student in a college class. Oh, definitely. So, and it's so funny because that's the same way it is for faculty too. Once they start teaching in an online class, then they realize that a lot of the things they were doing in a face-to-face class translate the same and are the same in an online class. And I think students will have that same experience. But there are a couple of things that you don't prepare yourself for, like you need to be really self-motivated and things like that. The instructor isn't right in front of you saying, hey, that assignment's due today. Where is it? You know, so the student has to have a lot of responsibility and organization and making sure they're following up with the class um, to be successful. So I know in the College of Arts and Sciences, we have three undergraduate online degrees and one master's program in statistics. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So we have the multidisciplinary studies, we have um, university studies, and then we also have computer science was just freshly approved. Uh, They're not quite ready to have the entire program online, but they're working toward it. They they were approved to do it and it's going to happen. And then, yes, the master's in statistics. And just to be clear here, when we're talking about these degrees, these are degrees you can get entirely online. 
Yes, exactly. So you don't ever have to step foot on campus. There's a little bit of wiggle room for students that they can take up to nine hours on campus and face-to-face -face classes if they absolutely have to and still be considered a distance learner or um, and, and complete the online version of that degree. Is there a reason a student would want to be considered a distance learner? Yes, because distance learners get some of their fees waived mm. if they're classified as a distance student. And just to be clear, that doesn't mean you are a distance student for one semester. So if you take all of your classes online for one semester, that does not qualify you as a distance student or a distance learner. So we have a lot of rules and regulations about that. But yes, if you qualify for it and it is put on um, by the registrar that you're a distance learner, then you can get some of your fees waived. Interesting. Because obviously you're not on campus, so right. you don't need some of those things. And I understand there are some differences uh, with the costs as well. There are, and that I think is one of the surprising things when students enroll for an online class. It is a little bit more expensive to take an online class, and it really just helps with the upkeep in technology, and also you have to understand um, from the faculty's perspective, a lot of our faculty choose to teach online classes. It's not part of their workload, and they have to kind of go above and beyond to create the materials. They kind of do it outside of their off regular office time. That's why they're a little bit more expensive, because they're not considered part of the faculty's workload in most cases. So I think a fair question, if you're paying a little more to have an online class, what do you get for that? What's the advantage? I, I would say is the flexibility to take the online class at your own time, at your own pace. Obviously, not having to go to class is an, an extra bonus. It's kind of like a convenience store where you can just you know, grab it at your convenience at every corner, every street corner that you, that you find. So you're paying for that convenience. Another surprise to students who take online classes is that they may have additional course fees mm. once they get enrolled. Mm -hmm. And this will catch students off guard very frequently. So one of the ways that the entire university, not just College of Arts and Sciences, but the entire university is upholding academic integrity mm -hmm. and ensuring that there is less cheating in the classroom is to do online proctoring mm -hmm. and or proctoring in general. So having students go to a testing center and take that either whether it's OSU or at a different place if they're taking an online class, um, going to the testing center or doing a completely online proctoring service that is done through your own laptop but each of those services are an additional cost to the student mm -hmm. um, and they pay per exam. So instructors should be telling you the very first day or the first week at least if you have additional course fees. If you don't know, ask them immediately if that's something that's uh, going to be an issue for you taking the class. So, but you do keep in mind and there is a very valid reason why we're doing that, why we have these proctoring services and it's simply to uphold academic integrity. We are OSU after all. Mm -hmm. um, we're a great college and we have high standards for our students. And so this is one of the ways that we can make sure that that continues. Mm -hmm. So then when you talk about flexibility, what does that mean? Can I take a class and just do the assignments whenever I feel like it? Sometimes it really depends on your instructor and you're not gonna know until you enroll in the class and you see the syllabus. Or maybe you can email the professor ahead of time and ask for the syllabus. but. Some instructors have it structured to where uh, you the, the whole course is posted and you can do it at your own leisure, but um, that's really not a good teaching practice in general for, taking an on, or for teaching an online course. You really want the students to be involved in the course as you go and not waiting to the last minute. 
And so I think that some students can get frustrated when they get in a course and they realize they have to keep up with it on a regular basis. But really, I mean, the research is showing us that students will be more successful if the instructor and the student are both invested in the course and paying attention along the way as opposed to just doing it all last minute. But that doesn't mean that there isn't flexibility because, you know, most instructors that I work with will have assignments open for two or three weeks before the deadline and so you have plenty of time to get the assignments done and you can do it whenever within that three weeks but they do have deadlines and sometimes they'll close the content um, at that deadline so that you can't go back and do it. You, it. It's done, it's over, you can't see it anymore, and you have to move forward in the class. So that's another reason why students need to be prepared um, and sort of self-motivated going into the class because if you're not paying attention to the schedule and you're not paying attention to the due dates and things like that, you can fall behind really quickly. It's also, um, I guess, a common misconception that you can wait to the last minute to do work in an online course and while that's true because you have the freedom to do so most of the time assignments take more than just a couple of hours to do you have to do readings you have to watch videos and the instructor has set these things up for a reason um, to structure your learning so if you wait to the last minute sometimes you don't obviously you're not going to provide that high quality of work that you I'm sure everyone wants to provide hmm it's also possible that you may not finish it completely at all and then you get a poor grade because you just didn't get it done the way you wanted. So it's very important if you're taking an online class to get your schedule in front of you, make sure you have e all the deadlines on there and prepare yourself and make time to take that class. Um, I recommend to students that they set aside time each week just like they would their face-to-face -face class. So pretend it's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you give yourself an hour to watch videos or to um, do readings or to check your emails. Uh, go to a quiet place where you know you're not gonna be interrupted and take the class and just kind of pretend in your head it's a traditional class because that's what we're familiar with, that's what we know and understand. So if you can kind of pretend for a second that this online class is like that and build some structure into it, you are more likely to be successful and get all of your assignments in on time. I know you have a PhD, I have a master's, so we both have experience in grad school. What you're talking about reminds me of grad school. A lot of it is sort of, you need to be on top of it yourself because the professor's not, not necessarily going to remind you every day of everything you need to be doing. This is a good preparation for that. I think so. I mean, it's kind of good preparation for just being adult in general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, because you have to be self-motivated and you, you have to want to be successful. And if you don't have that drive to want to do well, you're not going to be successful in an online course. And online courses aren't for everybody. They really aren't you, because you have to have that self-motivation. If you can get your schedule and get yourself organized, it can be really beneficial for you because of the flexibility, but also because a really crazy side effect, I guess, of an online class is that the instructors give you this information and then you really kind of have to do your own research and really self-reflect and you can get a much deeper learning experience by taking an online class. And there's actually research about um, kind of face-to-face -face classes versus online classes versus what we call blended or hybrid classes. And those, those are the courses where you have a mix of both. Sometimes you meet face-to-face -face, but most of it's online. That's a blended or hybrid class. And the research is saying that these blended 
courses are actually more beneficial for students as an individual course and also within someone's entire degree. Taking some face-to-face -face classes and some online classes really helps the student become well-rounded individuals mm -hmm. and helps them be more successful in their degree program. We've talked about degrees, uh, online degrees, but of course you can, as a student, have face-to-face -face classes, online classes, these blended ones. I mean, you can sort of mix and match as it makes sense for you, given your schedule, I guess. Yes, as long as the course is available to you, yes. Um, and we hope that students do that, that they kind of try out some online classes and see if it works for them. And obviously it is convenient even within your schedule if you're taking 15 hours of face-to-face -face classes, maybe an online class would be helpful because you don't have to go to class every mm -hmm. day, but you're still taking you know, 18 hours of work. You still have that workload. You just um, may not have to go to class. Well, and speaking of workload, I know that uh, there has been some question about whether online cl classes are as rigorous. Is this a real class? Is this a real degree? I know you and I have had a conversation, and yeah, it's a real class. Oh yes, when you take an online class, it is uh, put on your transcript no different than a face-to-face -face class. So instructors are very well aware of this, and obviously that's the reason why I hear, I'm here and I have this job, is to help make sure that we're upholding quality standards for our online classes the same as we uphold them for our face-to-face -face classes. So I think one of the misconceptions by students is that they're going to enroll in an online class and it's going to be easier, it's going to be way more flexible, they can do it whenever they want, and there's not going to be as much work to do. But what we're finding is that instructors sometimes overcompensate because they don't know how mm -hmm. much time students should be in the classroom, <laughs> so they fill their class, I mean just pack it with readings and videos, and the students end up spending more time in an online class than they do in face-to-face -face classes. And so that's shocking to some students that they have to do that. But also you got to keep in mind that in your face-to-face -face classes, you may not actually be meeting that workload that is kind of set in tradition for OSU. So you might have heard for every credit hour of, of class that you take, you have three hours outside of class mm -hmm. that you're working. And um, that may not actually be the case when you're taking a face-to-face -face class. But instructors don't know where to start with an online, so they start with that rule and they literally are counting the clock. <laughs> to make sure that you're hitting those rules. And so we've talked about that. Me, you know, I talk with faculty about how it doesn't necessarily have to mean seat time in a classroom and that it can be a little flexible. But students should be prepared for that. They should be prepared that it is not, it's definitely not easier and it's definitely not, um, there's not less work. In some cases, there can be much more work. If a student is interested in an online class, first of all, how can they find out whether it's offered online and is there any way for them to express had be interested in this and try to, maybe there's enough demand for a class to be offered online. First of all, that for that second part of your question, if they are in a class and they see that there's a bunch of students in there and there's a high interest for it, they could just talk to the professor and say, hey, you know what, you should offer this online. I know a lot of mm -hmm. students who would want to take this um, but maybe can't get to campus or something. Mm -hmm. But as far as your first question, we actually have a website that lists out all of the classes that are offered online for the College of Arts and Sciences. It shows the gen ed designation, so whether it's an H or an I or an N, and it also tells you how many seats are left in the class. Mm. So the website is cas.okstate.edu slash online courses. And on that website, you can literally see all the courses that you can enroll in. And it's um, live, so it'll tell you the seats available exactly as they are at the time. And usually we have them the semester upcoming and, and we try and get the following semester too. So it's not like long-term planning, 
but if you're wanting to get enrolled into an online class, that's the best place to start. I also recommend you talk with your advisor. If you know your advisor well and they know you well, they might be able to recommend um, best practices for online. They can sort of tell whether you'd be really successful in a course or whether you might need to prepare yourself. So just mm -hmm. talk with your advisor and see if, that, if the online um, version is right for you. In general, are there types of courses that tend to be available online? For example, I know I have said it's hard for me to picture doing an online chemistry lab. <laughs> um, it's so funny you mentioned that because we have an online chemistry lab. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's, that's surprising to me. <laughs> yeah. um, but is it non-science courses? What, what types of courses are offered online? Well, I'm kind of of the opinion that any class can be taught online. Mm. And I know that not everybody agrees with me in that way, but I feel like I have to have that mindset to try and expand what we're doing. I feel if you have an idea for an online class, I can make it happen for you mm. or we can figure it out. Because you know we do have a chemistry class that's fully online and the students um, buy lab kits that go with the class and they do everything in their kitchen. Mm. So it's kind of fun. It's a fun way to learn chemistry. You get to do it on your own and experiment on your own and you're guided through that process. And so I feel like if they can do a chemistry class online, they can pretty much do anything. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited to see what kind of classes we offer in the future and entire programs we end up offering in the future that we thought we would never be able to do online. Mm -hmm. Well, and I'll say, um, you know, my background is journalism and mass communication. I didn't do any broadcasting uh, courses, but the types of stuff I do, I think you could teach all of that online. You would need to interview people, probably face-to-face, -to, -face, to write articles, but to learn about the theory and even you know best practices and things, all of that could be taught online. That's so great, let's make it happen. I, <laughs> I agree, let's do that. Um, and I do think, I'm guessing, and I think you'll agree with me here, that's probably the future. More and more classes online that you'll see fewer and fewer face-to-face -face classes. I don't think you'll see fewer face-to-face -face classes. I really don't. I do think you'll see more and more online classes because what online does it is it appeals to a completely different group of people. Mm -hmm. We're talking about people who have lives, full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. They went and had to work, I mean had to work right out of high school. They have families to take care of. The, and then there's also this other group who, you know, physically can't come to campus. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have a disability for some reason that prevents them from getting to campus. Maybe they don't, they just can't afford it. And so if you can take away some of that expense by being an online student, then, then they're going to do it. You're also talking about, you know, really introverted students who have anxiety, social anxiety, and just the thought of them being in a room with 300 people is just so scary to them. So. We're appealing to a, a broader group of students who may not have ever gone to college. And that's really exciting to me. I mean, making education accessible is one of my favorite topics and I'm really passionate about. So I love the idea of being able to offer an OSU degree to some of these students, especially in, in places like rural Oklahoma, where they may not, had, may not have had the opportunity to access education before. And it's also an opportunity for someone to finish their degree, right? Maybe they took some classes and they're out in the working world now for whatever reason, but this is here now. Yes, and the multidisciplinary studies degree is perfect for that. So if you have completed you know, some hours at OSU but for whatever reason had to stop, this program is, it's a good program. It's a high quality degree. You end up doing a research component and you work one-on-one -on -one with a professor here on campus, uh, not physically on campus, yeah. but a professor here that works here at OSU, 
you work with them and you do a research project and you get to pick how you finish out your degrees. We have different content areas that you can choose from, um, one of them being geology, which I'm excited about because I'm part of geology. You can pick which focus area you want to focus on and um, find a researcher in that area and take some classes in it. So you can kind of, it's kind of like a choose your own degree plan. And you said a minute ago, if you have some classes, if you have some credit at OSU, what about if you took hours somewhere else? Uh, I'm sure it's a little more complicated, but somebody could potentially transfer to OSU and take these courses online and finish their degree. And the program, that program specifically does have a lot of transfer students. But also it's really appealing because as the name implies, multidisciplinary studies, you're getting a little bit of information from a lot of different places and in different areas and concentrations. And that's appealing to me because my own degrees are in three completely different and mm -hmm. unrelated areas. A popular demand in the workforce nowadays is to have someone who has an adaptable background where they can adapt to many different settings and have a variety of skills and aren't, aren't pigeonholed into one category. Mm -hmm. So this multidisciplinary studies is appealing because you're really getting a broad spectrum of courses that you take throughout your degree. So you mentioned you're in geology. I know you, uh, you're a professor there. You teach. What does yes. it you teach? I teach environmental geology and planetary geology. They're both um, offered entirely online. And um, fall 2020, I'm hoping to have a course approved called Intro to Planetary Geology. And we're just going to talk about the solar system and the rocky bodies inside the solar system. We're going to talk about the cool volcanoes. Um, there's ice volcanoes out there that aren't ejecting magma. They're ejecting ice. Wow. Um, <laughs> there's all sorts of really crazy things happening out there. And recently, um, I don't know if you saw the news article about the tardigrades that landed on the moon. I did, yeah. So <laughs> they're called water bears. They're these fascinating little critters that they're microscopic and they are so adaptable. They've been, they've already outlived us. I mean, they, they've been on this planet for a really long time. It crashed into the moon, unfortunately, so that's a different topic. But in my class, in the planetary geology class, I talk about the search for life on other planets. Mm -hmm. And we have to start that search here on Earth and try and find these things called extremophiles that can live in these crazy conditions mm -hmm. in, in only ice or only breathe in methane or the bottom of the ocean where the pressure is so intense. We have to study those areas in depth because those crazy places on Earth are the places that are, that's what's happening on you know, the moons of Jupiter. Mm -hmm. And um, that's where we're gonna be searching for microbial life and things like that. So I have a whole section that's dedicated to this, to the search for life, as well as studying our own Earth systems to see, you know, what is going on with these terrestrial bodies in space. You and I have offices right next door to each other, so we tend to have a lot of conversations that sort of go all over the place. But mm -hmm. we've talked about planetary geology before, mm -hmm. and I told you, a concept, that's a concept I'd never even thought of. Mm -hmm. I tend to think of geology, I think like most people without a background in geology is sort of looking at the earth, we're looking at oil and the core and all of that. So planetary geology, what exactly does that mean? Well, it's kind of misleading, isn't it? Because geo is the earth, so mm -hmm. that would be the study of the earth. <laughs> we don't know what else to call it, but NASA scientists call it planetary geology, and so that's its official term. Um, but really what it is, is it's studying earth systems so that we can then study the systems happening on other mm. places. So for example, studying the process for earthquakes and volcanoes, because we see images of volcanoes 
like on Mars, we know that the moon and Mars have earthquakes. Of mm -hmm. course, they're called moon quakes and Mars quakes or Martian quakes. Um, <laughs> they're called different things as we find them. But our investigation of Earth systems and understanding our own planet really gives us insight into the, the history of our own solar system, keys to the past, so to speak, um, and trying to figure out, you know, Mars is a fascinating place and there are people putting up a lot of money to try and get people on the surface of mm -hmm. Mars. And so if we're going to live there and have an environment or if we're going to set up something on the moon to be able to launch into deep space, we have to know about these environments so that we can build our own place to live, mm -hmm. our own habitats on, on these locations. We need to know what to expect as much as possible. Stay tuned yeah. because um, we have to get it on the books first, but you should be able to see it spring of 2020 for enrollment for fall. So as soon as people start enrolling in spring and, and just to let you know, it is a fully online class because I only teach online classes. Mm. So it will be online as well. Are there any prerequisites for that? No, it's a 2000 level class. So just come as you are. <laughs> it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be a really interesting class. I've offered planetary geology in an upper division um, mm. for geology majors. And even geology majors are surprised at the things you can do with planetary geology and the career paths that you can take with having a geology degree, which is one of the reasons why I wanted it to be kind of an introductory class and, and put at the lower levels so that all students could take it because I feel like geology is one of those fields that can be so interdisciplinary mm -hmm. and relate to so many different fields because we live on the planet, right? And we interact with it on a daily basis. We just don't realize that's what we're doing. Yeah. And so I feel like having this awareness that earth science impacts more things is, is really important. So I had students come up to me from teaching planetary, you know, geology majors that are saying, I wish I had known about this, or I'm so excited now I know I can work for NASA and be a planetary geologist. And that's a, it's a very real discipline. You referenced working for NASA just now. I understand you worked for NASA. I did, it, yes. So the um, Oklahoma State University has several education grants so basically contracts with mm -hmm. NASA. And they it's called the NASA Education Projects and it's under the College of Education and I worked with them for a very long time. I worked with them for about six years, a um, little over six years as a contractor myself also, mm -hmm. writing STEM curriculum and um, helping them develop these programs. So I got to work with lots of NASA scientists and engineers. I got to go to several of the NASA space centers. I got to meet several astronauts, and so it was really a great time, and I learned so much about NASA's mission mm -hmm. and what they do for overall scientific research in the US. Most of the research that they do on the International Space Station has real world implications mm -hmm. for us. They're called NASA spinoffs, mm -hmm. and I encourage you to look at those because they're fascinating, but you know, things like diapers and LASIK eye surgery. I mean, it's just kind of incredible. Lots of sports equipment was developed by, um, kind of by accident through things, uh, certain research on the International Space Station. Yeah, and of course that is a sort of common story in research where people will say, well, what's the value of this study? This won't mean anything. And then later you find, oh, we've discovered penicillin totally by accident, right? I mean, research in itself has value and leads to valuable things that are unexpected all the time. Exactly, and I mentioned LASIK, that it's one of my favorite things to talk about because it impacts so many people's mm -hmm. daily lives. And the reason that came about, um, I was fortunate to meet Dr. Larry DeLucas, and he was a payload specialist on one of the old space shuttle missions. And this guy is incredible. He's got like five degrees. I mean, he's just so smart, and he was the first optometrist in space. Mm. 
he got his tools out and started looking at all of the other astronauts' eyes and looking in the back of their eyes and noticed that they were all bleeding. Mm. And so he looked at the first guy and he got a little panicked and he's like, okay, I'm just gonna look at the next one. And he kept looking, everybody's eyes were bleeding. Wow. And so um, this was really the first time that we started realizing that damage is done to your body in space. And so through the progression of time and through all of these um, research experiments we've done, we have developed LASIK eye surgery to be able to repair the damage done mm. to people's eyes. So yes, NASA research is very important and you know people complain a lot about the money going mm. into the NASA program, to the space program, and you just um, look up NASA spinoffs because there's a lot of things that are gonna shock you about the research that's come from that. Well, and we're, uh, we landed on the moon in 1969, so we're 50 years later. Still, people, when they talk about the pinnacle of human uh, accomplishment, they always say, we've landed on the moon, mm -hmm. still. And it's so crazy, because um, I went to NASA Johnson Space Center and I got to see Mission Control. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they tell you when you go there is that you have more technology in your smartphone than they had to land on the moon. Pretty powerful message. So what are you doing with your phone? <laughs> Google. We're, we're all wasting our time. YouTube. So what recommendations do you have for students who want to take an online class? Well, I have several tips. Um, I like top five lists and top 10 lists. Um, any faculty who worked with me know that. I'm very, I really like them, very organized, but I have some suggestions for students who want to take an online class. And maybe it might just be a checklist for you to make sure that you are doing these things. But if not, this is a good way to prepare yourself for an online class. Um, so you, as I've mentioned before, you have to be motivated to want to succeed. You also have to have this self-motivation to want to be successful and, and to get things done. Um, but you really, really need to read the syllabus. And mm. I know a lot of students don't. They don't even look at it. They just kind of throw it to the side. But in an online class, you may not have many interactions with your instructor. And you may not be the type of student who actively reaches out to your instructor to get clarification. Mm -hmm. So read your syllabus. Um, a lot of instructors are posting syllabus videos now so that you can watch and learn what the expectations are for the class. Um, so do it. I strongly encourage you to read the syllabus and be um, a good manager of your time. Like I said, set some time aside for you to get your class done. Go to a quiet study space, have a dedicated place, you know, the library has places in it that are really great for studying, and, it, and believe it or not, it might not be your dorm room or your apartment that's the best place to study because it's such a casual environment, so you may have to come to campus to set that time aside. Make sure that you're checking your email is a big one because faculty talk to you through email. It's just mm. the way it's done, so when you're taking an online course, you have to check your email every single week and make sure you don't have any updates from your instructor or read those updates from them because they could be changing something significant for the course mm -hmm. or um, moving deadlines and you need to know about that. Another thing is to ask for help when you need it. The instructors are there and they've probably given you office hours and they've given you their contact information and they've given you all the information to reach out to them. Do it because they're there to help you and help you succeed in the class. And so um, take advantage of that. Send an email. I mean, you don't even have to talk to them directly. Just send them a message and say, I need help with this. I need clarification. That's how you communicate in an online class. So that's really important. Or one of the things that I want to mention to students is kind of the professionalism that needs to be kept inside an online class. Because I feel like online is a very casual environment sometimes, especially because a lot of us are in it all day, you know, social media and interacting with others. But when you are in an online class, you're still enrolled in a professional course at Oklahoma State University, mm -hmm. and you're still dealing with professors, um, prestigious professors who have a lot of research behind them. 
And so the interaction between you and your peers and you and your instructor needs to remain professional mm -hmm. no matter how well you know those students or how well you know the instructor. So there's something called netiquette, which is online etiquette and how to interact with people. And so there's a couple of tips that I wanna provide some you know, stories from instructors and common issues that happen with an online class. Um, one of them is be professional in your email communication. Don't just say, hey, change this quiz. I got a zero and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe start with you know, Dr. So-and-so or dear whomever. Um, structure your email because it goes a long way with your instructor if mm -hmm. that's going to mean something to them if you're respectful. Um, also keep in mind that text conversations don't translate the same as face-to-face -face conversations. So if you are a very sarcastic person or you like to tell mm. jokes, those don't ever translate very well in an online world. So be very cautious about how you write things because things can get very easily misinterpreted without the right punctuation. I mean, just think about a text message you get with an exclamation mark versus a period or no punctuation. Yeah. I mean, it makes a big difference, right? Yeah. And another really weird thing weird thing that it's it's weird to actually say out loud is be aware of what you're wearing if you have to do any video presentations or submitting video to your class um, keep in mind that you are still seen in videos and where you are taking those videos like the location and what you're wearing will be seen by your instructors so just keep that in mind mm -hmm. when you're submitting any video presentations and the last thing I would just say is just remember if it's not acceptable or appropriate behavior in a face-to-face environment, then it is definitely still not acceptable online either. One point I wanted to make is when you were talking about uh, tips for succeeding uh, in an online course, I think every single thing you said also applies to a face-to-face -face class. I think it does too. I think they're good practices for people to know when they're taking a face-to-face -face class also. But like I said, it's just that casual environment of online mm -hmm. where you're just kind of, you're just comfy there. I mean, you're, yeah. not, you're not dealing with people face to face, so you don't think about what you're wearing. It's a different atmosphere. And so it's just having that constant reminder that it is a professional world. Yeah. Um, and then also remember that you're interacting with the instructor all through text and you're interacting all through Canvas, our new learning management system. And everything that you're doing is recorded. Mm -hmm. That you know, a text email is a record of a conversation that you had with somebody. So everything you do in there, the instructor keeps and has for good reason. So remember that because anything that you do within Canvas is also recorded. Mm -hmm. And you were talking about uh, the way you write an email. I was thinking, yeah, you wouldn't go into a professor's office and say, "Hey, change this test grade." <laughs> no, you definitely wouldn't. Hi, Dr. Barnes. How are you today? I was wondering if we could talk about this test and how I didn't perform as well as I would have liked. Right. Well, you know, and if you know the instructor, if you get along, you know, it's in a face-to-face -face world, you mm -hmm. know who they are and, and, and things like that. Maybe that's a little bit different. But just remember, it's professional, and you may not know how that instructor is going to react. So just keep it professional until told otherwise. Yeah. Well, and again, I can tell you, communications is my area. and. Boy, the, the way you are saying what you're saying is so important. Your message is important, but the way you're conveying that message is equally important. People will miss what you're saying if it doesn't seem appropriate the way you're saying it. Well, and luckily, if you're in an online class and you have to do online discussions or something of that nature, you have the ability to really research what you're about to say and mm. think about how you're going to word it. You don't just have to post. So take that advantage and take your time to write um, a well-thought argument or well-researched point that mm -hmm. you can you know, 
to, to help support your argument or whatever it is and take care of, of because we're all human and we all make mistakes, mm -hmm. um, but try and pay attention to the way you're wording things so that you're not offensive or hurting someone's feelings. Um, and just keep that in mind. You have time to make that post, so do it well. Well, I think there are certainly times that it's sort of a 50-50 call or the professor has some leeway. If, you, if they feel like you're someone who's coming to them and asking uh, nicely for something that's reasonable, you're more likely to get what you're asking for instead of like, hey, you screwed this up. Well, whether they screwed it up or not, you probably have already lost any of the goodwill you had. It's very true. It's very true. How you interact with them will make a very big difference. Both face-to-face -face and online. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It goes a long way. I mean, it's just respectful, right? Yeah. It's just be respectful of the people in your class and be respectful of the instructor. Um, and also keep in mind that you don't know what that person may be facing that day. Mm -hmm. You reference Canvas. Uh, now, I know very little about Canvas, but I bet a lot of our listeners don't either because it's new. So this has replaced Brightspace. Exactly, and I'll be the first to admit, I don't know everything about Canvas. I'm kind of learning right alongside everybody else. But yes, Canvas is our learning management system. So it used to be D2L's Brightspace, and now we have Canvas. So it's, it is very different, um, I'm not gonna lie. It's not the same system. It has a lot of the same features, but what I think the students will be excited about is that Canvas was specifically designed with the students in mind. Mm. So it's very user-friendly for the students' interface, and it makes, us faculty members have to do a little bit more to make that happen. Mm. So I think that's really great news for the students because one, they're all gonna see pretty much the same course if they go online. And that may seem boring, but what the best part about that is, is you can always find it. You can mm -hmm. always figure out where things are. There may be some different settings, um, but it pretty much for the most part will all look the same. And I, I struggled with that at first because I build websites for my online classes, mm -hmm. and so I couldn't do that in the system. But I'm really seeing the value on the student side of them being able to find everything really easily. There's also an app for Canvas. There's a student app that you can download. Um, and if you will go into your profile for Canvas, you just click on the little icon on the side and go to your profile. There's a settings for notifications and you have got to go in there and, tur and turn those on because mm -hmm. instructors, anything they do in the course will automatically send you an email and a text message if you sign up for those. So go into the notifications first thing and make sure the settings are exactly the way you want them and that you're getting the notifications you want. So you mentioned that a few of the differences there from Canvas to Brightspace. Can you think of others that the students should be aware of? I think there's some really nice features in Canvas. One of the overarching components about Canvas that's so appealing is that there's all of these tools that are integrated directly into Canvas, and you don't have to go outside of Canvas to make those tools happen. You don't have to have usernames and logins for mm. five different apps. You know, you can just log straight into Canvas and be able to access these things. So one of them is the studio feature where you can click on studio and you can house videos. Mm -hmm. You can kind of think of it like YouTube where you post all your videos there and you don't have to worry about um, storage as much. So you can post videos there if you have some for classes, you know, you need to p post a video presentation or something mm -hmm. like that. You can record it within studio and have it housed there instead of having to take those, you know, sketchy mobile phone <laughs> images of you in front of a presentation. There's screen recording options in there so you can capture that. So go into studio and take a look around and see if that um, will help you with your classes. But a couple other features is um, conferences and collaborations. So if you're assigned to a group in a class, and this is in a face-to-face -face class or an online class, it doesn't matter, 
If you're assigned to a group by your instructor, you're automatically enrolled into a place called collaborations. Mm. And so on the side, close to where your settings are and the, the studio and, and all those other icons, there will be a collaborations. And when you click on that, you'll automatically be able to select the group, you know, the class group. So if you're in groups in multiple classes, they'll mm. all be here. They'll be enrolled in this, your collaborations. So you click on the group or the class that you're wanting to visit with and everything that you do is within this for your group. So you can work on Google Docs together or Microsoft 360. You can video conference each other and record that. You can mm -hmm. write like a whiteboard on that conferencing system. Um, there's lots of features inside there that you can collaborate together online and it's all in one space. Um, and also your instructor has access to that. So we all know that there's always one person that isn't pulling their weight mm. in, a, in group wow. work. <laughs> it just is a side effect of yeah. group work. There's the one that wants to do everything and then there's somebody that doesn't want to do anything. And so in this, the instructor can actually go in and look and see what the contributions of everybody. Now, whether they do that or not, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But at least, you know, you could have video conferencing with the members of the group. And if this one person isn't showing up all the time, you could record the sessions and send them to your instructor and have evidence that this person is not attending meetings. So that's a big change. Mm -hmm. So I really like that um, feature and being able to set up video conferencing that you can record and keep, and it's all located within Canvas. A thing to point out, though, is that some of these features that are really beneficial for Canvas, you may not have access to on the, on the app. Mm. And I'm not 100% on all the differences, but I do know that there's some, like, um, maybe you might have some issues with the video conferencing if you're going through the app. So just keep that in mind that if you can't see it on the app um, or something's not working the way you want, just get to your desktop or laptop and, and try it again and see if it works there. Mm -hmm. Now, an extra feature on top of that and going into Canvas is the instructor will set a color for mm. your class. And that's really handy because it will color code your due dates inside your calendar, mm -hmm. which your calendar is also synced to all of the classes you are enrolled in. Face-to-face -face or online, it doesn't matter. If the instructor is putting due dates in their course calendars, you will see all of those due dates for all of your classes in the same calendar, which is really helpful. And it's color coded based on the class. So there's a lot of different colors to choose from, um, but there's also it's also sort of limited. You can't just pick any color. So you may have classes that are the same color, but most likely you won't see the same color. Mm. Something to pay attention to about those course squares is that you may only see the course number and not the course name. Mm. And instructors can change what it says there. So sometimes you might see the course name and sometimes you might not. So really pay attention to the little text underneath the square icon, the image and the color. Um, and remember what your course number actually is, what you're enrolled in. Mm. So like mine is Geology 3503. So also make sure that your instructor knows the different names you may go by, because one of the complaints uh. I just heard from some faculty members is that what their roster is not the same as some of the students' names mm -hmm. they see. It's it's just really weird. They don't We don't know what's happening yet, so hopefully that will get fixed soon, but it's really important for the instructor to know all the names you go by. So just if you go by a different name than what may, might be at OSU's registrar, just send your instructor an email and let them know, hey, I go by this name. Mm -hmm. It may not be that way in the roster. That will help them out a ton. And if you want your grades in the right places, that might be really beneficial for you to do first thing. Okay, so you've given us some great tips on Canvas, but the system is still new. What do I do if I am just have no idea? I can't figure it out, out at all. One of the best features about Canvas is that we, OSU, has paid for this awesome service. It's a 1-800 number mm. that both faculty and students can call 24-7 and get help right then. There's mm. also a text chat feature that you could find. Um, I think there's a help link on the left side of the Canvas dashboard that you can click that and live chat with 
customer support. And I have interacted with customer support several times, and they are so friendly and obviously knowledgeable. They work for Canvas. That's their job. So we have skipped all these, like, help desk tickets mm -hmm. and move straight to the people who know what they're talking about. So there's a 1-800 number for students. It's 1-855-691-6198. Um, if you call that number, which you can also get that through your Canvas instance, you can mm -hmm. find that phone number, um, call them because they can help you immediately. If you are panicked because you have lost a file somewhere, call them and see if it can be retrieved. So don't just stress yourself out trying to figure it out on your own. We have paid for the service. Use it. Get the help you need. So you uh, have been teaching for a while and you've got a lot of experience as a student. What sort of tips do you have that you think would help any student succeed, whether they're taking online classes or face-to-face -face or blended or whatever? I think one of the best things you can do as a student in a class, especially if you're starting to feel overwhelmed, is to reach out for help. Mm. So you can ask your instructor if you feel comfortable. Maybe a TA or a grad student is in the class that you feel comfortable with. Maybe it's a friend, a peer, someone you know in the class. There are so many places on campus that want to help mm -hmm. students. Good people who are trying to get these students to come and talk to them. There's counseling services. There's the Lasso Tutoring Center. Mm -hmm. There's so many places that students can go to get help on their classwork mm -hmm. and also just um, emotional support for continuing at OSU. So if you need help, and you are struggling, um, please reach out to somebody so that you can get the help you need to succeed because trust me, there's somebody out there who wants to help you. Yeah, I was gonna say, it's so much human nature to sort of not wanna reveal what you see as a weakness, and, but it's also human nature to want to help someone. Mm -hmm. How often does somebody ask you for help and you go, go away? Never. People want, people want to help other people, so yes, please ask for help if you need it. And I would say there are some strategies you can do to, you know, always there's study tips all over the place for how to prepare for your class. I think the key is being really well organized and making sure you have all your due dates assigned um, because I think as students you're constantly prioritizing what's the most important thing mm. I have to do today to get through this day. Um, so being really well organized helps, but I'm not going to, you know, push all these study tips all over everybody <laughs> because they get really boring really fast. I'm happy to talk with students if they need to talk about study tips also, but I think some of the most beneficial things you do is to take some time for yourself mm -hmm. to just chill and not use your brain. That also includes not binge watching Netflix. Mm -hmm. So like shutting your brain off for a second to where it's not constantly spinning will help, it just physically helps you reset and keep going. So there's actually, if you just can't get away from the technology, there's a lot of apps that can help you calm down, mm -hmm. like the app Calm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's literally called Calm. And it just plays soothing music and it like force, it like tells you to breathe and for how long. That can physically help you relax and not be as stressed out. Um, there's a bunch of quizzing apps, you know, flashcard apps that can help you study. But um, I really like the ones that force me to calm down and stay focused. There's also um, an app called Unstuck that will send you like motivational quotes and things mm -hmm. to help keep you going when you just feel like you just don't have that energy or that self-motivation to go to your study place. That can help also. So give, give yourself a break. I know students are really stressed. They've got a lot going on. Mm -hmm. So reach out to somebody and take a moment for yourself and take care of yourself. Well, that's all great information. Thank you for joining us, Caitlin. I'm very happy to. Thank you for having me. I'd like to thank Dr. Caitlin Barnes for joining us. 
If you have any tips for success you'd like to share, please post on social media with the hashtag CassCowboys. And with that, as always, we end the episode by asking, how do the arts and sciences make the world a better place? So for me, I'm a science person, so the sciences really teach you critical thinking skills and it's some it's a skill, it's a true skill that you use in all aspects of your life. Personal, um, career-wise, it's so important and it's a skill you can fall back on and count on time and time again. So science is one of those disciplines that is just founded in critical thinking and you know, what's next? How does this work? What's going on? Um, how is this possible? It's just the foundation of science. So it's so important and valuable in so many different ways. But also, specifically, our College of Arts and Sciences here at OSU, I've noticed a growing trend and passion and rekindling of interest with improving education. And it makes me so happy to see, because I'm so passionate about it, and it's in my background to want to educate and want to be a good teacher but it is catching fire so quickly, especially within this college, and we want to improve, and we've got faculty who want to do better and want to do well for our students. And so seeing these people you know, try hard to make um, students feel welcome in their classrooms and be successful and go on to do bigger and better things really makes me feel proud of the things that we do as a college. Mm-hmm.